0: Axeo is back on the In This Corner podcast with Brian Campbell, and that voice you hear, the sultry dulcet tones, is the man on the marquee himself, the Brian Campbell, coming at you with an injection of the one thing you need to get through another work week in the dead of summer, that performance Enhancing Audio. We've got one heck of a show for you this week touching on all things boxing, including an interview with the August 26 HBO headliner, the great Miguel Cotto, who talks about his junior middleweight title bout against Yoshihiro Kamagai and reacts to Floyd Mayweather's decision to steal his fight date and book that pay-per-view super clash with Conor McGregor on the same night. We'll also be recapping the recent media days from Floyd and Connor and give our take on the great debate of push versus knockdown while previewing a junior light, I'm sorry, junior welterweight champion Terrence Crawford's return on Saturday on ESPN and that unification bout against Julius Ndongo. But before I tag in, yes, the man who makes the science so sweet. I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you how important it is that you go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. I feel like we're at a point in our audio monogamy where that is understood, and you know, that's the best way. Of course, you can support this show and keep it coming. I'm not going to talk to you about that, but I did want to encourage you to go out and check out our other offerings this week on the In This Corner podcast. Bellator Light Heavyweight King Mo Wall stops back in for another no-holds-barred breakdown of all things MMA. We're talking about King Moe pulling no punches on topics like Conor McGregor, John Jones, and much more. And in our Pro Wrestling Podcast, it's time to play the game as Triple H drops in to preview the NXT TakeOver and SummerSlam cards from this weekend and chat about the prospects of Ronda Rousey making that leap to WWE. But for now, it's time to bring in a guy who's still waiting on Mayweather Ortiz 2.
1: Mayweather, you on me, dog. Come on. Let's give people what they want, bro. What
0: do you think? Internationally renowned author, editor, and cruiserweight aficionado, Rafe Bartholomew Big Red, how is it on the West Coast?
1: My sweet brother Campbell. What's going on,
0: man? I'm feeling golden today. Golden indeed. Golden indeed. Did you know that um cruisin' was made for box?
1: Respect was made for box.
0: Okay, okay. I, you know, I was just looking for any any reason to drop your favorite soundbite. by. Oh, I, I mean, I love it when we're
1: cruising together. It's coming up, man. It's less than a. I believe it's just, yeah, cruising together. Um, yeah, it's less than a month until until this cruiserweight jam begins. Don't don't think I don't have this marked down in my calendar. I've got it. I've got the numbers laid out.
0: Forget Mayweather McGregor. Forget the build to Triple G Canelo. Forget even that September 9th HBO super flyweight, super action, you know, markout fest. The, the
1: real September 9th action. Usyk and, uh, and Hook, Marco. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm 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 popping for that fight. What do you think about like an epic, uh, you know, road trip down to San Antonio for uh, for Dertico's Kudrashov?
0: Oh, cool ranch indeed. Yes, uh, I do You know, I'm slowly coming around. I bet you the first match I watch, I'll get pumped up and fired up. Is it? Do we have a network yet? Do we have? A, we don't have anything. We have Richard Schaefer's loafers. That's the only thing we have right now, right? Uh-huh.
1: Look, somebody's gonna step up. Some I I I I, I will step up. We'll put it <laughs> on my network.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, Rafe Bartholomew, we can't do a podcast without talking about Mayweather McGregor because that's what's going on. After a slow couple weeks of not a ton of important news, Floyd and Connor had back to back media days this past week in Las Vegas. Floyd at his Mayweather boxing gym, McGregor at the new UFC Performance Center Institute thingamajig. And some headlines did come out of this. You can, you know, we can debate all we want if they were important, if they mattered, but the fight Went full front frontal nudity right in our face again. The biggest thing to talk about is the grand old debate I teased off the top, Rafe. Push versus knockdown. Because we're not really talking about Mayweather McGregor anymore. All we're talking about is McGregor-Malinagi and the great debate and the great war. War rolled on with another chapter when Dana White randomly, late Friday night, tweets out two videos, 24 seconds in total of McGregor putting it on Paulie in round 12, apparently of their second sparring session and then knocking him down. Or did he, Rafe Bartholomew?
1: I, you want me to, where, 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 where do we even begin with this wonderful, uh, this wonderful hornet's nest of, of topics? I mean, are, do we just want to talk about, was it a
0: knockdown? That's all I asked of you right now. I know you want to, you want to do more, but the people want to know right. when Big Red watched that, ten, those 10 magical seconds. Of it, uh, which ended, by the way, with Joe Tork- Cortez going no and putting his hands like like he was calling you safe at the plate. What is your reaction? Um,
1: I think that was not a like a clean knockdown. It would not like I it's it, if it happened in a live fight, I could imagine it being rule the knockdown and I, and it being kind of like a shaky ruling or, you know, a, a ref, I I, could, I think it's a 50-50 call basically because it, there was no like clean punch that, that, um, that I saw landing to cause, you know, Malinaji falling to the ground. We couldn't see, I, I couldn't see the feet in this video. I know Paulie claimed to have been that he said that Connor sort of dragged him over his foot and that's why he went down. And that is sort of the way that it looked like. He, uh, that, that, that Paulie ended up falling back like that. Um, but I, I, I didn't actually see the feet to, to see if he did trip over something there. Um, you know, it would be, it, it's, I think it, in a real fight, it would have been a 50-50 ruling. Uh, and, you know, if you go down like that, Sometimes you get, you know, you get knockouts ruled. I mean, that, that looked like a classic sort of Sergio Martinez, uh, vintage, uh, <laughs> knockdown where he's sort of like, you know, he's, he's bent over at the waist, shaking his head around and like, he sort of gets clipped a little bit in an inconsequential way and somehow tumbles across the ring. Um, you're not you know, talking about, and, hey,
0: you're not talking about Martinez Cotto, right? Let's not talk about that.
1: Anymore. I'm, I'm, look, if you want to talk about that later after our, after your, your little interview with Miguel Cotto, I understand it, but I hope not because to, Whenever – I mean if I ever encounter Sergio in public, first thing I'm saying to him is, you're still my champion. You're still my champion, (laughs) Sergio. Uh, Look, look. Paulie's knocked down, so it's 50-50. And – what I, what I take away from it is I don't think it was a clean, like a clean, damaging knockdown. I don't think Paulie was hurt from that. So I don't, I, like whether or not a, a ref would have ruled it. I think the, the more meaningful footage were those two straight lefts yes. in, the, in the other clip, which were, you know, right on the button. Now, what does that mean? You're landing against like, you know, Paulie who hasn't been training really for, for months and, and is clearly, you know, I mean, has a body more resembling a layman than a fighter. What a beauty. You know, what
0: a body, by the way. What a beauty. What's buddy. that? What a beauty. Hashtag body. <laughs> to reference the great oscar anyway you tell me man what do you think am i am i
1: where am i am i up or down on this
0: They did. I'll give credit to the boxing fans out there because they broke this 10 seconds, which included a replay of it from an alternate angle of this (laughs) knockdown in like Zapruder fashion, breaking it down slowly. When you do watch the slow motion, which included multiple tweets from Paulie with slow motion, still photos, right? You do see that. Yes, McGregor pushed him down. He put his right hand on the back of Paulie's neck and he also appeared to miss him with the last punch. So really it was a push down in the full motion. You can't tell. I thought watching it in full motion, I thought Paulie straight up got knocked down. And by the way, that's the point, right? Because this was the best, this was the smartest thing Now, this was UFC controlled, right? And they haven't had a big part in this promotion. But this was the smartest thing anyone involved in this promotion could have done was release this video and release it in a tightly edited way. And the timing, Rafe, could not have been more brilliant. Late Friday night, Conor has that open workout, and he looks awful hitting the head of you bag. And everyone from pro fighters to to trolling fans are destroying and ripping. And I think at that moment, which was like, 10 p.m. Eastern Friday night was the low point of the build, where in that moment, I have to believe everybody watching was like, oh, man, McGregor really does have absolutely no chance in this, right? And then, like, two hours later, Dana floats out the video, and after watching those 24 seconds of video, I have to say, you come out of there going – Wow, man, he just dropped Paulie and clearly rattled him with a stiff, hard left. Now, obviously, I'm a real boxing, hashtag boxing head aficionado. I can see through it. I also can add in the reality that Paulie's washed. He just got knocked out by Sam Eggington in England. He's 36. He wasn't in fight shape. And if Paulie at any point in his career would have fought Floyd, any point, would have lost 12 rounds to nothing, by the way. Okay, because Paulie did always lose when he went up to the elite level. But that notwithstanding, if you are a casual fan hoping beyond hope that there's a chance Conor is competitive in this and you watch those two videos coming off of Paulie going on and on for weeks about how bad McGregor was, you suddenly go, oh, my gosh, we may have a fight here. Correct me if I'm wrong. Like that was, hello, pay-per-view buys. Let's push it up a little higher. Let's raise the roof. Come on, right?
1: Sure, well, yeah, and it's not just the the f whatever effect it may have had on your casual fans or whoever you know whoever might be watching that footage and buying it just wholesale it's just pushing that hype train along and mil and and getting every bit of marketing and uh and publicity out of the whole sparring paulie versus Connor controversy story, whatever you want to call it they're milking that perfectly. So perfectly, in fact, and I, I don't think it'll be hard to get you on board here. I'm at I'm at the point where I'm willing to consider Paulie's entire time in entire involvement in it a work. It's all a work, man. Whoa, all a work. I mean, like for okay, here's the the, the and what really made me feel what what's really pushed me over the edge in this direction is like the timing of releasing that sparring video. Because Paulie would already, Paulie had spent the entire week arguing on Twitter, going on, you know, uh what, going on different podcasts, going on he his own podcast, hour. giving his own two-hour breakdown of everything that he thought happened. Well, not just that, and, he went
0: on Helwani's show, the MMA Hour, which yes. is the number one MMA show, for a full hour.
1: Right. So I'm saying they. So I, look, the timing, and and he and he was saying, and so if they had this footage, which they obviously did and could have released it at any time, and they wanted to. And Pauly's you know domination of the news cycle sooner. They could have. They could have done it right away. They waited. Let Pauly get all of that all of that media attention. Soak it all up. Let that build the fight for about five days. Then boom. You you reboot it by re by releasing this. And you get you know you get all of Paulie's like additional like rebuttals and and complaining about it. Now you get you know people who are going to buy it from Connor's side. You get Connor can finally give his interviews. Oh, he was he was concussed here. Yeah, yeah, you know I just I had to put the whooping on him. You know it's like. <laughs>
0: Wait, what, what? Hold on. What 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 accent is that? That's like that a little was, bit I, of I, groundskeeper Willie. It's a little bit of like the <laughs> Leprechaun from what what that what's that awesome string of horror movies. Leprechaun! Oh, Leprechaun! All right, it's it's like half <laughs> Le- lepre-
1: Leprechaun in the hood, Leprechaun in space, Leprechaun
0: four. I did, I did. By the way, once purchase Leprechaun in the hood.
1: I think everyone who who was of age to like have been in like a used VHS store at some point <laughs> in time, and you see Leprechaun in the hood there for four dollars or whatever on the resale rack, and you're like, "Yes, I'm buying." This. I think the same day,
0: to- the same day VHS. I bought I bought Slam Dunk Ernest, by the way, which is right in oh, that category. Yo, know, the
1: Ernest, I mean, the I, the Ernest series is like two classes above the Leprechaun series. There's some class. <laughs> I mean, you know, Halloween Ernest, Ernest goes to camp. <laughs> Um, you know. All right, so just...
0: Ernest is like facing <laughs> the real Mayweather, and the leprechaun is like facing Wash Paulie and sparring, right? Correct,
1: correct, correct. Right,
0: correct. Right. We came um, full circle right there somehow. All right. Then, Uh, Ray, if it
1: work, man, Uh, tell me, tell me, tell me you're not a little bit suspicious that, and plus, you know, I mean, a friend of mine said this to me. Why would they even consider bringing Paulie in in the first place? That is absolutely insane. Forget the trash talk. This is someone who works for Showtime, the network that Connor thinks is, has been sandbagging him in favor of Floyd because that's what Showtime does for every, you know, for Floyd all the time. I mean, I don't think Connor's wrong there, but why bring in someone who is so close to Showtime Fairly close to Floyd. An Al Heyman fighter while he was active. Why bring all that in the, and let that person into your camp if it is not – if there is not some some wink-wink, hush-hush, you know,
0: one hand washes the other going here? Wow, one, one hand washing the other. Come on, let me – let me – Oh, I bungled it. I... Come
2: on, let me – let me put some water on your
0: ball. Wow, thank you. A... Oh, thank you. Great moments in bungled sound history right there. Um, I love that you say it's a work because you know me. And the listeners know me. I'm the first to go pro wrestling and think everything's a work. You know, if you, if I actually went public with some of my uh, world renowned world public uh, political thoughts, people would probably unfollow me for my belief that everything in life is a conspiracy or a work. You know, I'm talking about the basement of the Denver Airport, Rafe. I know you don't want to hear this. You don't want me to put this out there publicly. <laughs> all right, go check out uh, Google that. But uh, my point is, yeah, there's a lot of feelings, and if you're going to go down the work road, you have to ask yourself. Okay, if it, okay, let's say it like this. If it's not a work, then why would Connor do it? Then I would say one, because maybe he feels like with Paulie not being a power puncher and being retired and washed, maybe he feels like if he goes in there and roughs him up in sparring, then Paulie will blab to everybody that Connor's doing really good and that it'll sell the fight. Or maybe two, is there thought from Connor that Paulie's not gonna disparage him because he has to work the fight and there's an idea that Paulie's expected to sell the fight. So he'll get good work out of sp- P- Paulie, but at the same time know that Paulie wouldn't go public. Now that idea is probably negated by the fact that Paulie's saying like he wasn't treated like royalty like he thought he was. He wasn't treated like two time former champion coming in. He was treated like a sparring partner. So I don't really know what to believe here, Rafe. All I do know is I would be surprised if we see May Re- May- McGregor Malinagi in the fall in pay-per-view. Like how could you not? Not have that same feeling. Paulie's already that's talking the, about that's
1: it. That's the end of the work. That's the, I mean, that's the, that's the, you know, I mean, that's where, I mean, it, you know, it helps sell this fight and it gives Paulie something down the road, a little something to chew on.
0: I guess it does. It'd be interesting. I mean, you'd probably be more apt to see that if, uh, if Connor got blown away. Like, Connor can lose this fight, by the way, in a respectable fashion, meaning he can come out like a hurricane and put pressure on Floyd and maybe land a couple shots and yet obviously get exposed and picked apart and maybe even stopped. But I think there's a point where you can go, wow, guy came in with guts. He had a game plan. He went for it. If he had some more time, maybe he'd be more effective in boxing, whatever. If that if it plays out like that, then maybe we would see a, a spinoff. Because now, for the first time at his media day, Connor said he intends to compete in both boxing and MMA moving forward. Where at first it was sort of like, you know, I'll be back in UFC this fall after this is over. We'll see where we go from that. I like that. Right after the video is released, Paulie all over Dana White on Twitter. Dana White, you bitch ass, you were actually there and saw all twelve rounds. Really, you FNQ ball ass fraud, kissing my ass after the twelve rounds. End quote. He's just saying, hey, release the video. Release the video, right? Because Paulie's contending that he dominated the first 10 rounds and then tired late and was like, I was consistent all along. I told you guys he got the better of me late, and obviously those were the ones that that put out there. But if we ever did see McGregor versus Malnagy, I'd love to see Peter Cards get involved because he went right at Dana even before Paulie did and basically called him a prick. I mean – there's a build there. There's a backstory. People like that kind of stuff, right, Ray?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And look, and, th- and w- one thing about Paulie, you know, he did, um, I think that he is guilty a little bit of underselling the whatever happened on the knockdown. Like not, the, it was not a knockdown, but the way he described it as like, yeah, he described it as sort of like this overt push, this obvious, right. like, you know, easiest call in the world. No, you know, whereas like if this had happened in a fight real time, I think it really would have been like a 50-50 call. It would have been a bad call to rule it a knockdown. But, um, you know, let's say that we've seen referees make mistakes. Yeah, Victor Uh
0: He probably thought that it uh, was never going to get released, which does go against the idea that's a work. But you do have to stop yourself. The final uh, final thing I'll say on it being a work or a conspiracy – is if it is, it's pretty well detailed. There's a lot of smart people p- putting on a multiple layers here. It's not just, you know... Like I mean this is well done if it is a work, right? I think in the end. Some people might say this whole fight is a work by the way. But moving on – Well, that's on... the
1: thing. I mean why would – there's no, this goes back to the same thing I say. Whenever someone raises a conspiracy theory or something crazy about this fight, there's no reason not to believe it because there is no competitive foundation that the event exists on to begin with. It's all sort of fluff. It's all imaginary. It's all something you have to talk yourself into from the beginning. So why can't you talk yourself into any other
0: bizarre – crazy like offshoot of this all right all right speed round here rafe where i hit you with some other news that came out of this media day minor news let's just get a quick reaction connor for the first time touched on the domestic violence side of floyd in response to being called a racist by floyd floyd came out and said he's going to dedicate the fight to all the black people in the world so floyd obviously playing the high road here right connor came back finally saying you beat your wife in front of your kids, you are the dirt of the dirt, end quote. He gave that quote to both ESPN and MMA Fighting. Uh, Rafe... Uh... This all we're we're all working here, right? Everybody's working. Yes, this is more of the work. This is the like
1: if if Floyd was upset about what Connor was saying about the uh, him crossing you know crossing lines of racism during the during the press tour, you know there were ample opportunities for him to remark on it. Then they are like parceling out the media stories week by week (laughs) to 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 get the most build out of this, and they know that these sort of big picture sort of uh, you know sort of concern essays topic stories those come in during the last couple weeks this is when all the this is you know they're putting that out there now so that the people working on their 2000 word think pieces you know that are going to come out you know the friday before the monday of fight week that during that last week that are good that that, the, the big name ones that all the everybody in media feels like they have to share around to show that they're on the right side of things and to kiss up to whoever wrote it like, they're starting to put this stuff out for them now. They know exact, this is, this is like clockwork. They are on top of everything.
0: Oh, here. wow, like clockwork. Uh, gloves, Rafe Glovegate, uh, NSAC, the Nevada State Athletic Commission, now says they will vote on changing potentially the glove size from 10 ounce to 8 ounce, which is now, which now Floyd is pushing for. So, your knee-jerk reaction to this is one, NSAC can constantly be manipulated as they always are usually by Floyd, because money talks Two, you think Floyd is doing this on the surface to raise pay-per-view buys right at the idea of saying hey I want to give I want to make it seem like Connor has more of a chance for a knockout I'm not afraid I know you've been ripping me for the you know being a stickler about gloves but three on my MMA podcast talked to King Mo about it he thought this Rafe that this actually helps Floyd because with harder gloves and with accurate punching Maybe this helps him get Connor out of there quicker.
1: I could see that. I mean, you know, like who's going to land more punches by uh, perhaps a like a shutout margin. It's going to be <laughs> Floyd Mayweather. So, um, yeah, smaller gloves will probably help unless I mean, unless unless, the, you know, who knows, you know, now 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 that I'm in like total conspiracy mode, it might be so that they can sell like a fake broken hand narrative or something, you know, like like oh the smaller gloves, I you know, I having hand problems, <laughs> you know, and Connor can be like. He's got the brittle hands, the brittle hands. Yeah. Oh,
0: okay, that was Borderline Willie, groundskeeper Willie, right there. That, that was, that was I'm going. Close. I'm.
1: I'm. I'm trying to get more and more bad and cartoonish. as we uh, well,
0: actually, the Lucky Charms guys were your your head. Your head and tube. Um, other news. Floyd promises this time, Rafe, to both Al Heyman and Floyd's own children that this will be the last fight. And he says, "I've never promised this before to the media. Now I'm doing it. I'm promising this is my last fight." No, we don't care, right? He's he's probably lying, and we don't care either way, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's hard to, I mean, one, it's like, you know, that, that, the answer to that question always depends on what's out there and what kind of money and, you know, all that other stuff. Right. Like if he can um, fight
0: Steph Curry next year, he's fighting Steph Curry, right? I mean, and let's it's be just,
1: real- it, there is something, uh, additionally unseemly about Floyd involving his kids so much in this promotion. Yes. And, and all the, I mean, because, you know, I mean, we have read those police, or many of us have read the police reports of him, you know, threatening the, the mother of some of his children, you know, uh, which is in why, front of them.
0: Which is why Connor wore that CJ Watson jersey, by the way, yeah, which was it, so that was, brilliant. Uh, that was one of the more it, creative trolls. And how about this, Draymond this... Green getting caught in that too, right? And like having no idea and getting caught in the trap? I don't
1: know if, I don't know if Watson, uh, is, is, you know, I, I imagine he would not participate in this, but I, I, I bet that he's, he will get some invitations to walk to the ring oh, with uh, Connor. McGregor, uh, That's, bad.
0: That's bad. That's but, bad. But then again, we all may be getting worked here, right? They're, I mean, you know, they're, they may all stand in line at the bank together to cash their checks, right? So it's like there might be on a yacht after the fight together. When I say they, I mean everyone who's working us right now, right? Paulie included. But no, I don't know if I believe that, Rafe, but you know I'm willing to believe anything, right? Finally, on the Connor thing, uh, he was asked extensively about his boxing fandom where it started predictably. In my mind, he says he was a big fan of Roy Jones, big fan of Nassim Hamed. You could see physically and emotionally why he would do that. But he says he's a big fan of my guy, Guillermo Rigondow these days. And then when somebody brought up Lomachenko's recent tweet at Connor saying, hey, if you need a sparring partner, call me. He not only put down Vasily Lomachenko for trying to insert himself into the conversation, but told Vasily, you got Rigondeau problems you need to go, you need to go finish off before you're throwing around my name. I pop for that. Connor's speaking my language right now, right? He wants to see Rigo Loma like we do.
1: Yeah, good. If, if Connor can make that fight, you know, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> take my hat off to him, man. I mean, you know, if he, if he, if he can somehow maybe throw a little, throw some bucks on that, uh, you know, put five on it so we can, uh, so we can see these guys in the ring together.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The undercard is also set, Rafe. The co-main will be Javante Take Davis defending his 130 pound IBF belt not against Rocky Martinez unfortunately against unbeaten and absolute unknown Francisco Fonseca also in the best fight on the undercard from my point of view Nathan Cleverly of Wales will defend that WBA light heavyweight belt against Badu Jack who's moving up in weight after that draw with DeGale at 168 you gotta like that to round it out cruiserweight Andrew Chabiti the unbeaten prospect for Mayweather Promotions fighting Steve USS Cunningham Wash Cunningham this is gonna be a you know a cross a crossroads loser leaves town type match I like it And the Fox main event that we teased is confirmed. Sean Porter will face Thomas DeLorme, who somehow only has two losses, but I think at 28, he might be washed. But that's a good action lead-in fight, Rafe. And I don't hate this undercard compared to recent Super Fight undercards. I don't hate this.
1: No, you're right, 100%. I mean, you, you look back to the, the Mayweather Pacquiao undercard, and that was, you know, both uh, both Lomachenko and Leo Santa Cruz against TBAs, right? I mean, it was like you, you can't even remember who they fought in those fights. Um, R- Romulo
0: Kashuga, something like that, right?
1: No, it wasn't that guy. It was somebody else. Yeah. Uh, but um, was there a turd so, sack involved? There was no turd sack. Oh, I, I look, I I I always pop for turd sack. Right, um, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's a good. I mean, I I always root for Steve Cunningham. I, I'm not even willing to call him washed. Uh, you know, I just won't go there. He's uh, he's you know, he's just he's just my guy, man. I, I ever since that Amir Mansoor fight, the the sort of tragedy of him having to fight Tyson Fury in the Garden. Dude, he, he dropped you know, Fury. Hard. He dropped him. He, he you know, it looked like it was going to be this great moment for him and. And then you know Fury just leans on him until there's no until he runs out of gas and then like pushes him off and kills yeah, him. Yeah, nice short uh, forearm
0: to the face there. To finish yeah, him off. it was a yeah.
1: uh, you know. Uh, anyway, I, I, I'm I'm I am i am i am rooting for uh, for Cunningham to pull off an upset here. I don't know how good DeBiti is. Uh, hopefully not He's good raw. enough to. He's- Hopefully not too good to beat Washed Cunningham. Yeah. I think it could be
0: a good fight. Um, To close on this, Rafe, I wanted to get our pay-per-view buy predictions a couple of weeks later now, now that we've seen more things. There's been more things that are a work or maybe not a work to get the fans involved. Gun to your head, how many pay-per-view buys Mayweather-McGregor?
1: You know what? I And I'm not basing this on anything – uh I'm not basing this on anything too scientific, any like real I you know, I don't I don't I don't know. I for one am skeptical that it's going to beat the the Mayweather Pacquiao. Oh, uh, you're record. wrong. You're wrong. I know, everyone says I'm wrong, so I must be wrong, but I just I don't know that it's going to happen. Um and you know what? Tank Davis versus Frankie Fonseca who hasn't <laughs> fought outside of El Salvador, Honduras, and Costa Rica <laughs> isn't, isn't helping me make that decision. Um, just had to throw that in there. Um, but um, I'm going to say like three, three 3.2. That's where I'm coming in. 3.2 right.
0: million. So it'll be number two, but it isn't, I don't think it's going to be – the, the, the best. Alright, you're way off. It's not only gonna, somehow it, it's not only gonna beat Maymac. and I don't, I say somehow, but it, it because that's a ridiculous number, 4.6 million, but it is, because this is, this is the most ridiculous fight ever, Rafe, and I mean that both in the handling of it, how it's not really a real fight, but also in that it's going to inject itself into public consciousness more than Mayweather Pacquiao ever could have. I predict 5.1 million buys all right and i also think nathan nathan cleverly you do have to be careful of uh, one thing
2: hey that black guy he hits hard
0: Hey, Mayweather McGregor, August 26th. But, Rafe, there's another fight August 26th. Miguel Cotto, the future Hall of Famer, will be facing Yoshihiro Kamagai for the vacant WBO junior middleweight title. That's an HBO fight, non-pay-per-view, from the StubHub Center in Carson, California. As mentioned, I got a chance to sit down with MC and talk to him about this fight, about Mayweather's slide into his DMs, and much more. Let's throw to it now. Uh, You took all of last year off after that middleweight championship loss. To Canelo Alvarez in 2015. What went into that decision to take that long of a break?
2: Well, we, didn't, we didn't get through uh, uh, a uh, plan, something with uh, Ragnarok, and we decided to be away from boxing.
0: I saw that you signed with Oscar de la Jolla and Golden Boy Promotions to start a new chapter of your career. Why was that an important change for you at this point?
2: You know Oscar, Oscar and his company—they're always been good friends of, of us, and they just uh, want to help us to finish our career in the best way possible. And I think that 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 was the the main uh, uh, thing that that we that we found with Oscar and Golden Boy was to finish it, that my career, in the best way possible.
0: Absolutely. When you look ahead. How many fights do you think you have left? Do you have an end date? Where are you at right now with that? I'm in the last stage of my
2: career. Uh, I have until December 31st this year just to finish my career in the best way possible.
0: So does that mean a retirement in 2018 no matter what happens? No matter what happens, yeah. That that that's very interesting. How hard was it for you to make that decision, considering you know the incredible career you've had up to this point?
2: You know I accomplished a lot a lot in boxing and I'm I'm really happy with the way my career my career going and I just want to finish it in the best way possible and it's nothing it's nothing uh, uh difficult when you have to a uh, family to taking care of and, when you have uh, things to do after boxing,
0: yeah, absolutely. You're coming back, of course, August 26th. Yoshihiro Kamagai at the StubHub Center in Carson, California. What did you like about this matchup? Why? Why this opponent at this time?
2: It was the best, the best opponent over the table for us. Yes, Yoshihiro know, is a, a warrior in the ring, and I know that's going to be a great fight for all of
0: us. We've seen you sometimes mix it up and and be in some of those action fights. We've seen you at times rely on your boxing. Do you think this will be one where you're going to have that type of advantage to outbox Kamagai, or do you see yourself standing in there against him toe-to-toe?
2: We'll see what happens on this. On August 26th, Uh, I'm I'm going to be well prepared for him, and we are going to eat everything to beat him.
0: Absolutely. You've taken time off before. We've seen you come back refreshed. I think when you you know, really started to make that move to middleweight, you looked like a new fighter. How different do you feel at age 36, having had that full year off behind you? I'm, a, I'm
2: an older guy uh, than half. Apple. Uh, more mature, more more focused on my career. Than, uh, the, the only desire I have to finish in my career in the best way possible.
0: In that last bout against Canelo, it was obviously a, a huge pay-per-view. A lot of eyes on that fight. A very close fight there on the scorecards. Afterwards, Freddie Roach had said he had wished you'd thrown that left hook more often. Do you have any regrets about that fight?
2: No, I did what what I believe was enough to beat Canelo. I, I didn't was uh, the the I won the fight. But I'm I'm really happy with the with the performance.
0: When you look back over your career, is there one victory that that makes you the happiest that you look back that you take the most pride in?
2: I enjoyed my whole career. I'm really happy with the way things are being in my career. I'm I'm just I'm just a happy guy with with his career.
0: I mean, because I was there at that rematch with Antonio Margarito in 2011. I don't think I've ever heard a happier crowd explode with joy. How special is that moment when you look back over the whole run?
2: No, you know, that, that, was, that was my moment to to make it, make clear, make make it things things clear, and what happened uh, in 2007, and I, I I got my my revenge.
0: No doubt about it. There was some talk last year, Miguel, that you might be in line to fight another future Hall of Famer in Juan Manuel Marquez. Why did those talks fall apart ultimately?
2: Uh, we, we were uh, talking about the, the possibility of fighting, but uh, nothing happened between us.
0: Was there an issue on money, on weight? What was the hold up there? Actually, uh, the conversation didn't continue.
2: Just start and stop. And we we didn't didn't, uh, have anything uh, realized with us yet.
0: Mm -hmm. You talked about this being that last run for you. If you can get past Kamagai on August 26th, what type of fight would you be looking for for your last one?
2: As always, we are going to, to look... For the best uh, guy, for the best option over the table, uh, we're we going to point to this way.
0: Is there a short list of names? Is there anyone you could give us that you're that you're hoping for?
2: Well, we we, we didn't have
0: any, any any name yet.
2: We we just uh, uh, so so focused on on our next fight against Kamagai, and that's all that's all we had.
0: Uh, There's big news, Miguel, that Floyd Mayweather is also fighting on your next date, August 26th. He'll be fighting the MMA star Conor McGregor. Were you upset when you found out that he essentially came in and swooped that date out from under you and that you have to compete against him on this night?
2: I'm I'm not competing against him. I'm going to compete against Kamigai. I wish him good luck on his fight against McGregor. I, I have to do my work on my against Kamigai.
0: Uh, that's a that's a good way to look at it. Do you have any misgivings about a guy like Mayweather fighting an MMA fighter instead of another active top welterweight or junior middleweight?
2: Every everybody is allowed to do whatever they 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 think or they believe that they can do for for the benefit. of I have nothing
0: to say about it. I can respect that. Your former opponent, Canelo Alvarez, is also going to have a big fight this fall in September against Gennady Golovkin. How do you see that fight playing out?
2: It's going to be a great fight, a great uh, event for for boxing. And I hope that those guys uh, can can build a real good fight for, for all of us.
0: If Canelo can win that, is he in contention for a rematch for you for your last bout?
2: Who knows? You know, I'm, I'm uh, like I told you, I'm here for the best names available out there. And if it's Canelo, we are going to go for
0: that. And Miguel, finally, two fights left for you down the road. What is motivating you to finish strong here to end your career? Uh, I've been a, I've been a,
2: a good boxer for for my whole career, and I want to finish my career in the same way. I'm still working as hard as I can, and I'll keep doing it until the end of my career.
0: And does things like the Hall of Fame or those things that that you see in your future that motivate you? You know, I'm not, I'm not, a,
2: I'm not the guy in charge of putting myself into the Hall of Fame. All I can do is do my best as always here, and the guy who's, who. who Who's going to decide that? They they have uh, they have to do it when the, when the chance
0: comes. Absolutely, Miguel Koto Yoshihiro Kamagai, August twenty sixth, at the StubHub Center. We've seen a lot of action fights there. It's known for it. Carson, California. Miguel, thanks for the time. Best of luck for you during this last stretch of what has been an incredible career. Thank you. And special thanks to Miguel Cotto for giving us some time here. Uh, Rafe, we'll be honest about uh, Miguel Cotto. Never been known as a good interview, the best interview or anything close to a positive interview. Uh was hard to pull some teeth there from him, but did say, you know, reiterated, he's going to have one more fight in December and then walk away for good. And there's been some recent increased rumors that that one fight could be David Lemieux now that Cotto's with Golden Boy. Interested or no? What do you think? Yeah, of course. Look, I, 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 mean, that's a
1: good, um, that would be a satisfying fight, you know, for the end of the year. I, I would be a little worried for Koto going into that. I mean, he, he better be near, uh, whatever his best is just cause Lemieux is, is big and tough and he's, he's mean. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't, nec- I probably would not favor Koto in that fight. And it's, it's hard to wow. think of that as a, I would not. I don't, I just would not. It'd um, be an interesting
0: I fight. I mean, it's not Cotto Kirkland, but at the same time, Lemieux is raw, right? I mean, he, he's a little bit raw, but he's,
1: uh, you know, uh, it depends on how much how uh, Cotto would need to sit down on something and get him to back off, back off. Otherwise. I don't think Cotto is would successfully dance around him for for that long. All right. Um, well, in any case, um, it's a that would be a, a one. Of, on the better range of, uh, of of farewell fights for Miguel Cotto. Uh, you know, I, I saw Freddie Roach saying that he wants the winner of uh, of Canelo and Triple G. I don't I mean, want he, anything
0: to do with that because look, he's not going to fight. Golovkin, obviously. If Canelo were to win, we would probably want to see a Golovkin rematch. No one really wants to see Kodo Canelo, too. There's no juice there. I guess Lemieux probably would be a good choice because it's a dangerous yet beatable guy, yet it could turn into a real fight. And there's, you know, and there's real danger. Um, you gotta love Miguel, though, with the, with the card so close to his chest. Like, even when I'm kind of, you know, putting some water on his balls, he still doesn't want to tell me what his favorite friend is. He's like trying
1: to like, please come with me on this victory lap of your career, Miguel. And he's like, uh, It was okay.
0: I've had many good fights. They're all the same. I mean, that's basically what he said, but... Uh, can, Miguel has given us some audio gold though over the years. And if December is the last fight, and who knows if it is, he's thirty six. Who knows if he comes back for more? But it would end a, a very interesting character in our lives through the years of HBO twenty four seven and all that. And Rafe, I was thinking about my favorite never forget Miguel moment, and it does go back to that two thousand fourteen fight with Sergio Martinez and the HBO twenty four seven sort of underrated that li- that built up to there, right? Underrated because you know it wasn't a juicy 20- that car that fight itself wasn't a giant build even though us hardcore fans were really into it and uh this is my favorite moment in koto history it's a long-held tenant in the sport that there can be no secrets between a fighter and his team koto appears to be taking every measure to let mcmillan and anyone else who wanders into the gym know he's got nothing to hide running
1: joke is they got two rental cars one that they drive here to, and uh, the other one for his nuts to get here with <laughs> so it's like uh, <laughs> mr nuts <laughs> oh brian <laughs> perez classic miguel Cotto's good friend brian perez with the classic mr nuts
0: line um and miguel wearing yeah. the tight tight pants oh, that was i it. mean he was showing
1: up in the pink tights and, and getting on, and there, and, and on the exercise bike is the, the, the one that I will never forget. Like the, 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 the image, the, 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 the up and down there was, was very intense. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, <laughs> Gavin
0: should have, Gavin should have offered to, to put some water on your balls. I mean, it was, the opening was right there, right? But, how uh, much,
1: how, yeah, they're going to need a lot of water in that, in that corner. Uh, <laughs> for Mr. Nuts. Um, Yeah, no, I mean, we we can, of course, uh, get deeper into the many great Miguel Cotto moments. But that 24-7 was one of the weirdest. Like, there was that stuff. When they get to New York and all of a sudden, like – Freddie is going on these strange, uh, you know, uh, horse and carriage rides with, uh, with like Marvin Samodio and the young English guy that hangs around the Wild Card. You're just like, why? What, what, what is it? Why are they going on dates? Stop!
0: Um, it was, it, it is an underrated 24/7. Absolutely, and I think the only reaction to that whole scene is this. Dude, this is nuts. Indeed. Indeed they are. Great. I'm a tree, man. Bro, I am a tree right now. One more bit of news I wanted to hit up because, man, it's right in my wheelhouse. You love cruisers. I love, uh, washed European, uh, super middle and light heavies legends. Okay. I'm talking about Carl Frotch running his mouth again because that's what Carl Frotch does, right? Talking about Joe Calzaghi. Now this was an interview to the Daily Star. Frotch says, Frotch was asked what would have happened had he fought. Uh, you know, Calzaghe in their prime. And he says, the answer to that is I think I would have beaten him. It would have been a really, really tough fight. There are two results. Calzaghe beats me on points or I beat Calzaghe with a knockout. He's very tough, very slick, has a high work rate, but I believe I'd have knocked him out. Now he added, we'll never know because he didn't want to fight. He thought Calzaghe ducked him. Rafe, this talk gets me fired up that we would see the hashtag old guy fight Super Bowl of seeing both these guys come out in their forties. Probably not going to happen. But, Rafe, this does spin off to our favorite segment, or at least mine. What's it look like? I'm going to put the pressure right on you. You know I love both of these men. What's it look like? Prime versus Prime at 68. Carl Frotch versus Joe Calzaghe. So I, I I have one of those uh,
1: you know weird hangups where I just always could never stand Super Joe. He was not my guy. I thought How I did you. think I did think he was cherry picking a little bit over there to to protect his his undefeated record. Didn't really you know didn't fight Hopkins and 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 Roy until Roy until he was certainly washed. H- fought Hopkins pretty late in the game. Um and it's just uh I don't I I you know other than other than surprising kind of surprising American. Well I, I guess I was more of a casual then so maybe. Maybe uh, maybe real fans saw it coming. But, uh, you know, him beating the brakes off of Jeff Lacey was a huge surprise to me. Um, and Gary Shaw but-
0: was a huge surprise to Gary Shaw.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but so, I mean – Anyway, I, have just never been a Kazagi guy and I, am I'm, I'm, I'm with, I'm with the Cobra. I think he gets cobra I think Carl catches up with him. Carl, you know, he, he Frotch for, for a, as easy as he could be to hit sometimes, his work rate was insane. I mean, you remember the amount of punches he threw against, against Kessler the second time? I think, um, I think that he, he would have between, he, he had, he has ways to win that fight. I think he could either outwork him
0: or hurt him. You know, wow. I, I, I believe in the Cobra. Alright, the work rate point you make is the key one, because in your head you're kind of thinking, there's not a ton of difference between Frotch and Kessler, right? They split two fights against each other. Calzaghe had that big England, you know, that big Europe Super Bowl fight there against, uh, Kessler and was able to withstand hard shots and just outpoint him and, and really you know uh, outman him down the stretch. I mean, it was a great performance. I still think, though, that fight, talking about Calzaghi, Kessler, shows me the blueprint that I believe in a close fight Super Joe's beating Frotch. Even with Frotch's higher work rate, I think that Calzaghi has the combination of chin, brains and balls, and you would need all three to beat Frotch. Even if he doesn't have the power to hurt Frotch, I don't think you need that power if you are high level. So that's me assuming that Calzaghi at his Prime, was you know almost on Andre Ward territory on his prime to be able to get in there and outman a guy like Frotch. I think Joe's got the chin and I think he can win a decision. Yeah,
1: you just said it. You said it, Brian. I I I, I hear what you say. I, I hope. I I don't know if I don't know how many. I mean, if if you would like to, you know, just flash back to Wembley Stadium, eighty thousand people. Carl Frotch and, and George Groves. Wait, wait. Did right you say? Cross.
0: Did you say eighty thousand? Eighty thousand at Wembley Stadium. Oh yes! Yeah. I, if you, I George forgot. I, that was the right number, right? Eighty thousand. Yeah. Stadium. He knocked him out in front of eighty thousand. I was just checking th- that to make sure if it was eighty. 000. Eighty thousand. 80, eighty. Wait, let me check one more time. Eighty thousand. Eighty thousand. God, eighty. 000. He's never given. He's never said that much publicly, though. He hasn't really talked much about yeah, that.
1: He's though. not. not like to really talk it up like that, you know. But I remember. I remember. He knocked him out one punch. In front of 80,000 people at Wembley Stadium. And I think, uh, something similar could be coming for Super Joe. Hopefully they do it. You know, oh, I, after you? the, after the cruisers, do a, do a, do a, you know, get the boxing super series to do the washed, uh, do the washed Euro middleweights. I would you know, be actually,
0: I love washed old guy fights so much. I'd be more excited to watch it now washed than I would in their primes. And I, you know, people talk about paying a hundred bucks for Mayweather Pacquiao, Mayweather McGregor. I would pay 200 bucks for that, right? You heard it right here. I would pay 200 bucks to see that fight, alright? I wanted to put you on the spot
1: with a "What's it look like?" Which sort of, you know, we just you talked about Kalzagi being maybe almost in Andre Ward's ballpark at at 168. Now you got to be
0: a you got to be a Kalzagi lover to even utter that phrase, though, right? And I am, you know, because people think he's overrated. And you are.
1: are. So tell me, tell me, what's it look like if those two and in their 168 prime probably two of the best super middleweights ever right i mean like it's not a very old division it doesn't have a, a, the the rich history of some uh, some others uh you know ward calzaghe uh, you know can can super joe beat ward
0: wow that's a great offer of a what's it look like uh ward ultimately rafe is the kryptonite for everyone in the weight classes above middleweight. So he can fight any style and he can adapt to any style. And I think the fact that he's so physically strong and the fact that he has enough pop would be able to, he would be able to create a blueprint where he could counter Super Joe's pity pad getting you know, pity pad or getting your style slap fest phase. And be able to give him enough pause and be able to circumvent, you know, a Mayweather type counter blueprint there to get around them. I think it's going to be close on the cards, but I think Ward's going to get it, especially if they did that in the States. I think Ward gets the decision. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if they do it in Vegas, we're just going straight to, you know, let me, let me put some leather on your balls. Oh, wow, wow, right there. Uh, Rafe, we're, we're, we're running good on, uh, on runtime here. I got another I wanted to throw at you for what to look like, alright? I ran okay, out of time okay. last yeah, yeah. week. Um, bring you it, bring kn- it. Uh, you know, your guy, Manny, we don't, you know, you don't like when we call people washed. What? But Manny's washed right now, Rafe, okay? And uh, washed Manny right now. We talk about Lomachenko. You know, should he go up to fight Mikey Garcia? Should he stay put? Should he go down to fight Rigo? What if Top Rank says to themselves... Manny wants to do super fights for the end of his wash run, but he doesn't want to be in spots against bigger guys where he's going to get hurt. So let's make Lomachenko a star right now. Freddie's been saying forever that Manny can make 140 without a doubt. Could even make 135 if he really had to. So let's meet in the middle. 138. Washed Manny against Lomachenko. Southpaw on Southpaw violence. Right now in Las Vegas. What's that look like, Rafe?
1: Yeah, look, I, 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 I don't, I don't know if I said this like publicly, like if we were doing the podcast at the time, but over the years I've thought that Lomachenko, you know, should 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 have since you know for at least a year, probably should have just called out Manny and said, "Hey man, I'll I'll fight you wherever, you know. It doesn't matter what weight. I'll, I'll fight you in Macau. Can get this work. Yeah, fight him in Macau. Um, um." Yeah, I think that, uh, and so if they did it at 138, honestly, if they did it at 140, 147, 145, I oh, don't care don't. what weight they do it at. How dare you? I either. don't care.
0: It doesn't matter. Um, so Vasily's just going to jump up like four weight Come on.
1: It doesn't, uh, yo, it, it, again, in this, in this matchup, it isn't going to make it because Manny's going to come in at the same weight. More or less, regardless, or at least he's gonna he's gonna uh, weigh about the same on fight night, regardless of what they what they what he shrinks down to for a weigh in, um, and that's not going to be over 150 150 pounds probably. Um, so whatever, I, I, yeah, anywhere up to welterweight, um, Lomachenko is coming in there and and outclassing Manny, making him look slow, kind of, you know, it's gonna. I think it would look a lot like Manny versus washed Oscar, you know, it's just wow. like a guy standing there. Not knowing what's coming at him and, and, and without really much recourse as to even defending himself. All right. Let it. me
0: say he's... this. If Manny is as washed as I make a joke and as people that are, you know, real insiders who had Manny pound for pound rated entering that horn fight and then went, whoa, if he's as washed as that, it, it may look like Manny versus Oscar. But if he's not really that washed and that was a performance where he didn't train fully for, right? He's a senator. He's got things going on. Could it look instead? like prime Manny versus Miguel Cotto in the first four rounds when it was like back and forth war.
1: Maybe. I don't, I still don't think so. Probably. I think Lomachenko is so fast right now. And I, I think that the one thing that Manny has lost is some of his speed. You know, I mean, he's, he, he, hand speed, ability to fight three, three minutes of every round, you know, coming in and out. He's, he's more, uh, He's. I don't. I don't think that. I. I do think that they, that he has a better version of him. Uh. You know. Inside him than who showed up to fight Jeff Horn and who probably deserved to beat Jeff Horn. Um. I just still don't think it's enough to even look remotely competitive against Lomachenko. Now that doesn't mean that Manny. You know. Peak Manny wasn't. Uh. Uh. You know. A fighter who may end up. You know. Who, who might be better than than whatever prime Lomachenko is. Whatever. You know. That we can't. But like right now, it's just not there for him, man.
0: Alright, alright, Rafe, uh, you, you said it. It'd be an interesting fight, cause I don't know if, uh, if Loma's chin can take that kind of power, and he proved at least against Horn, he didn't knock him down or out, but he proved he could bust up a dude's face if he's landing clean, hard left hand. So, I don't know
1: if he's landing anything.
0: Yeah, then, then it becomes Manny, Manny Oscar, you're right. Wow, interesting deep stuff. Rafe, we've got a fight this weekend, okay? On ESPN, it is a rare. A rare four-belt unification when Terrence Crawford puts his pair of 140-pound titles on the line against Julius Indongo. This will take place at Pinnacle Bank Arena in Lincoln, Nebraska on ESPN, like I mentioned. Furthering top Rank's plan of getting these fighters off HBO and onto a bigger market on ESPN. Rafe, just the fourth time. And I, that, this stat is interesting. The, if we, if we think the four belt era in boxing started in the late eighties when the four, it was a three, there were three sanctioning bodies that were recognized. Then there was a fourth added that was recognized on that level. Since the late eighties, this is only the fourth time all four belts were on the line. I thought that was incorrect. My, inst, my, you know, instantly I'm like, wasn't there heavyweight fights where all four belts were on the line like a few times in the early nineties? But apparently I was wrong on that. And the four, the three fights before this that were mentioned all involved Bernard Hopkins in 04 against Oscar in 05, that sleeper against Eastman on HBO, Howard Eastman, when he uh, broke the record for uh, you know 20 title defenses in the middleweight division, and the third one was the first Jermaine Taylor fight, and then one of the belts got pulled before the second one. That's that movie at all? You fired up about that at all?
1: Of course, Brian, because I, I, I respect Bucks, Brian, and, and I want unification. I want unification, fight. yes. Uni- unification. As I want unification. All of, look at me. I have three belts.
0: Look at my face. Oh, that was Tyson after the uh, Holyfield fight, Jim Gray's Rafe, the real key question for anyone, because Crawford, pound for pound rank, he's nasty. The, we know he's great. The only thing we don't know yet if he's, like, really great, right? If he's, like, really, really great. The, the, the key question is, who is Julius Ndongo? You know, what is he? Well, the stats tell us he's 5'10 and a half from Namibia. He's a very tall southpaw for that division at 140. He's got a nickname, Rafe, of uh, the Blue Machine. And the only thing we really know about him is he's coming off the biggest victory of his career in Glasgow when he outpointed a washed Ricky Burns. And before that in Moscow, he one punch KO'd in forty seconds, an unbeaten guy named Eduard Troyanovsky to win that IBF title. And I had a question first if Troyanovsky was just Rick Rito's uh Rick Reno's pseudonym on boxing scene uh for some <laughs> of those stories, but apparently he's a real fighter. And that's sort of the problem at knowing in Dongo. You can go back and watch those fights, but you look up and down his His his, uh, wins, and they all came in Africa against guys you never heard of. So you're a little bit more researched and well-watched on Ndongo. Who is this guy? What challenge does he bring to the table for Bud?
1: You know, I, I, I think that he brings some more to the table than most of the recent, uh, opponents have been. I guess, obviously, Victor Pastal was a great opponent, at least on paper, in terms of, you know, he had just come, come off of beating Matisse, had a bit of a track record in the, in around the division, looked good, uh, and I, we saw what Crawford did to him. In in Dongo, I think because of his size, his length, he moves pretty well. Um, he can, he can close distance fast and throw the, and throw a, a nice, you know, a nice long right in there. Um, And um, I think that he at least presents a a physical, uh, you know, a a near physical uh, equal to Terrence Crawford in terms of, you know, not, not not the exact same athletic traits and abilities, but just someone who is in the same athletic class as him, which I don't think we've seen a lot of guys. We've seen guys who are, I mean, Felix Diaz is, you know, has a little bit of explosion but really was so small and didn't you know it couldn't really couldn't really figure out anything to do with 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 his infighting style against Crawford um you know Gamboa fought well for four rounds but again you know size was a real issue there uh this is Indongo is a guy who who you know in terms of speed movement size is is i think a real you know presents some real issues for Crawford now Crawford in the end i think is good enough to figure them out but i think that they're, they're, I, I'm hopeful and I do believe that Indongo can, can do a few things to challenge him, to just, you know, make him think, make him come up with, with something, make him, make him come up so, with something interesting on the fly. And it'll be interesting to see if, um, if Crawford does his, you know, he hasn't done it as much recently, but when, you know, the, the old days during when he was knocking out Thomas Delorme and giving away a few rounds at the beginning, kind of setting traps, figuring a guy out, um, is he going to be willing to sort of, you know, use the ring and and see what what Ndongo has to get show him for the first two or three rounds before you know making the southpaw switch or whatever you know however he ends up deciding to to go on the offensive.
0: Yeah, the the length here is interesting. Now, he's, he's a rangy guy. You know, you watch that Treanovski highlight, and he one punch KO'd him on, on a on a beautiful overhand left. But you you don't know if he's got the full power to bother Bud. And I like the idea of them pawing at distance and figure out who's going to be the one that gets inside, especially if Bud goes southpaw, like you said. There's there's an interesting <laughs> potential there for some early uh early chess, early you know X's and O's. It's not a a hugely sexy matchup though. Anybody that saw the interview between these two on ESPN during the, uh, during the recent Lomachenko fight, it looked like two guys that just really, it looked like, it looked like my two kids in like the doctor's office when the nurse tries to come and like have a conversation with them and ask them, you know, what grade they are in school. It's like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, that was a rough build. Uh, what's really at stake, do you think? I mean, outside, you know, you get the four belts if you win. Is this, does this matter in Crawford's rise to you? Yeah, well, Justin
1: Justin in terms of the, it seems like it is a slightly more dangerous fight than than some of the, you know, the, than he was in say against Felix Diaz earlier this year. Um and there's it's sort of a not much to gain and uh and a and a lot not a lot well, a lot to lose if he loses, but I I don't know how realistic I really think that is, but it's just, you know, it's a, it's it's a pretty tough meaningful fight that that he he needs to win to sort of keep the career momentum going. I mean there there is I think I think it means stuff to Crawford just to keep him, you know, in that discussion in that oh, this guy is one of the pound for pound top fighters and and we need to see him, you know, at 147 against the Keith Thurman's and, and, uh, and, and Danny Garcia's, if you want to throw him in there and, and Errol Spence, I mean, those building to those fights between guys who we think are all in and around that level. He yeah. He needs to win this for that. And he, he needs it to set up that, that fight with Jeff Horn. <laughs>
0: If you can, if you're in a Crawford spot and it's not easy to book fights with the Al Heyman side and it's hard to find opponents, and this was a good idea, you can- you can fight a guy who has two belts, you can- potential to really clean out 140. I know you're gonna say, well, you know, I'd rather see him fight Brona, I'd rather see him fight other guys, for sure. Probably not going to be able to do that easily though, I mean that's just the way it is, right? He's now an ESPN fighter, the- Uh, you know, I don't think the PBC even has an ESPN deal anymore. And it seems like certain PBC fighters can jump ship to HBO, right? But not all of them. It's sort of just a messy area. You know, we haven't seen that happen a lot for, for top rank, at least to, to join up and do these crossover PBC fights. It seems like it's been easier for the other promoters, but if you, if you're being avoided, this is the best chance to say, I'm the man at 140. I cleaned it out. It is time for me to move up to 147. When you look at Bud's future. If he can't get those names, then the fights he should be chasing are Jeff Horn or Manny Pacquiao, right? I mean, that's 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 the bottom line.
1: I guess. I mean, if he wants Manny, he has to, he actually has to let them have a rematch and and hope that Manny wins, so, so there's uh, you know sort of some way to sell that fight again. Um, but yeah. I mean, the, the, those things do make sense, and they, they, that's a good way to sort of bide time hoping things shake out on the other side, and you can start making those fights. I guess the thing we see, you know, there's most of the time when a guy comes in, you know, from sort of the – you don't want to say parts unknown. I mean, you know, maybe like a – you know, I have – I read enough about it and watched a, a Julius Ndongo video, um, but – you know, guys who come in from these places without the the strong as, as strong a fighting tradition as you know the, the the countries we think of. The you know right now it's a lot of the the former Soviet Union, uh, Puerto Rico, you know the places of course Mexico. You know, um, you when you get these guys who come in and you can't really interpret their record as much because you just don't know anything about most of the guys they've beaten. Um. You know, there's the, it usually goes two ways. They either go out like the great George Tapadunaida. Is that his name? The Friday Friday night fights, uh, Native American fighter from Oklahoma who Delvin Rodriguez just, you know, outclassed, uh, you know, they either go out like that. They're like, okay, you never belonged here to begin with. You just had a, a, a puffed up record or they, sometimes they come in and you're like, whoa, this guy is a little raw, but, you know, he's he's like a specimen. You know, it's scary. You know, kind of like, I mean, the way Manny burst on the scene, nobody knew who he was and just came out there all physicality, throwing his crazy lefts and, and you know, surprised the pants off of uh, Lolo Lodwaba. That's a good so, point. So, I mean, once in a while it, it can happen. And that doesn't mean that, you know, and that can happen in this fight and Crawford can still be great enough to beat him. But I'm hoping that Ndongo does show up and, and kind of does prove himself to be sort
0: of a wild card. Hey, Crawford's been so good against guys at this level that you know you kind of I kind of expect that he's going to make Indongo look like Victor Postal, which was the first half of that equation you just sort of mentioned. When a guy, although we had seen Postal in a couple of fights before this against guys we knew, you got somebody comes out of nowhere, you don't know how good they are, you make yourself believe it, and then your guy Crawford comes in there and just disarms them and makes it look like they don't belong. I mean, that Postal performance was incredible in that regard. I, I'm, I would have to lean to know from, you know, from the fights I've watched of Indongo that Crawford still could have a chance at doing that. It's gonna depend upon how aggressive Ndongo wants to be. He's a very aggressive fighter with that jab. If Bud can settle in, especially from the southpaw stance, to a counter-punching role, it'd be interesting to see if he can start landing those quick laser shots. And if Ndongo has the chin to hang in there, if he's the kind of guy that's going to go down, it could it could you know turn into one of those fights where Bud just controls. But if Ndongo can take that punch and keep putting on that pressure, then one will have a fight. But two, Rafe, I think he'll draw out the best version of Bud. And we don't always see that best version of Bud. We see flashes of it, but I think you need other fighters to pull out the best version of you.
1: Yeah, and so uh, yeah I agree. Hopefully we get it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, prediction wise, I'm gonna say that um is gonna be hungry, but he's gonna get stopped late. That's what I'm saying right there. Multiple knockdowns, he gets stopped late. I said it, alright? I put it out there. Uh
1: I'm I, I I without really knowing anything about uh about you know, Julius Ndongo's chin, um I think that uh he can I, I I'm gonna Go with a uh, Crawford decision, u- unanimous decision here. I don't know if I really think him. I see him getting the stoppage. Uh, I Guess it depends on. Yeah, I think it depends on how much Indongo has, and if and if Crawford views him as some as as a legitimate threat. Because then he might, you know, then then he'll be a little more cautious. If he sees this, if he figures out that he can just beat him, he'll just
0: go in there and finish him. Rafe, the dong is going to go, all right? It's on ESPN. It's a platform. It's an opportunity for Bud to make new fans. He goes. But, Rafe, we won't get all of these undercard fights on the ESPN broadcast, but Top Rank doing almost a uh, Al Heyman special of, and almost the feeling like of that great card in Temecula that you and I attended that we always reference when end of the year in December, Al Heyman goes, oh, crap, I got nine name fighters who were kind Contractually actually obligated to have one more fight this calendar year. Let's load him up on this undercard. Rafe, the you, night of champions. How about the names on this? Nicholas Walters in an eight-rounder against Arturo Santos. You got Dillian White, the English heavyweight, against another no-namer. Bryant Jennings, who was just signed by Top Rank, has sort of a you know get-to-know-you-get-well fight here against Daniel Martz with the idea that they get him back up, prop him up for some future things. Maybe Joseph Parker, right?
1: Andre Ward's out there.
0: For Brian Jennings.
1: Why I mean, he's trying. To talk, Andre Ward's talking about fighting heavyweights. Brian yeah, Jennings don't... is a small heavyweight who's not that good. Well, he's pretty athletic, uh,
0: though. You don't fight an athletic heavyweight if you're moving up to heavyweight You fight a plotting Ruiz type. That's just my take. But also on this card, Mike Alvarado coming back against Sydney DiSicara Do you have any uh, Sydney uh, research that you want to break out on this? Anything good? I, I, I have
1: zero. Um, but um, you know, uh, the only uh, the only research I need is to, to pull up some some of that famous Mike Alvarado uh, shadow boxing footage, which <laughs> is right up there. I mean. I <laughs> Almost is is going to be eclipsed in terms of mockery by the uh, the Conor McGregor uh, you know uh, warm ups that whatever the, the the arm flailing thing we that, we didn't talk about that that was the greatest thing to come out of media day was that the videos and the gifts of Conor McGregor doing his his floppy arm thing and then Terence Crawford just <laughs> murdering him on Instagram he's got all the guys they're playing like some Lisa Lisa Sheila E music in the gym they're all doing the Conor dance I mean ah uh, that that. Anybody who thinks that, uh, Terrence Crawford doesn't have a, a personality, I get, like, you see it's there, even if we haven't been able to draw it out of him, uh, in the media and get him to, to fully yeah. open up, uh, you can see he's, he's like, that alone puts him, uh, he jumped like two, Two people on my pound-for-pound pound list just by well, doing that video.
0: Troll-wise, that was almost as good as Eric Morales trolling Danny Garcia during their first fight, right? After Danny missed with a couple hooks and Morales just throwing out floppy arms out there. It kind of reminded <laughs> me of that. Looked <laughs> like Connor was trying to fly away, to be really honest with you. This so, undercoat- yeah, Alvarado is, uh, you know, I'm, i
1: am A, I mean – I hope he wins, man. I hope we get some more. He's, he's, he's an important member of the contender or, you know, the contender washed series.
0: The contender washed redemption season, which by the way, a lot of, a lot of great feedback on Twitter. People are down for this, Rafe. If we can just get an investor, if we can get some money together, if we can, you know, I love Victor Ortiz host the, he can host the, the, the show, if you know.
1: Well, for all the, for all the content out there, you know, people just want straight to video, straight to, you know, straight to the web streaming content. Why not? You know, there's another, there's an audience out there for that.
0: Oh yeah. uh, Shakur Stevenson is also on this undercard, the, uh, 2016 Olympian who's rising well. And in a light heavyweight bout in the Koleman, Alexander, uh, how am I pronouncing this right now? I think
1: he's a Vodzic. Uh, Vodzik yeah. against Vosdic. Greg Baker.
0: V- tell me about Vodzic, do we?
1: You know... Oh, come on, I, I, you're, not, you're not hype over that guy? No. He is, I think he's the truth right now. The, the, the the hurt he put on Unieski Gonzalez in that fight? Oh, that uh, was and, that
0: guy, yes. And he's
1: also the guy that, that, I mean, not that, like, one punching, uh, uh, Mohammed Na- Ma- Najibi, the guy that the, the, the Kovalev two-round, oh, yeah. uh, my face, my face guy. Najibi, um, yeah. Yeah, um, Najib Mohammedi. Um, oh, wow, yeah. yeah. I mean, you had me convinced yeah.
0: it was Mohammed Najibi. Yes, Najib Mohammedi. <laughs> oh, Mohammedi. You
1: know, knocking both of those guys out so, like, just overwhelmingly, and the way he moves. I mean, this guy's a real boxer. He moves, he throws sharp, straight, like, you know, very, very tight punches, um, and he's – and he looks – look, I think that he – of all these sort of young, you know, he's a beast type light heavyweights who – you know, like the, the Dmitry Bivol's, the Beterbiev's, those guys, I like
0: Vo- Vodzic the most. Is Vodzic a future uh, Kovalev opponent or what? I,
1: I think that uh Kovalev could be a future Vodzic opponent. Oh, wow. No, okay,
0: first of all, you don't mean that. Wow.
1: I hate to say that i 'm you know especially if he hears it, I hate to have said it, um, but Nick, uh, if Vuzdik, I listening. think it's very good, very, very good
0: all right, Vosdick is we facing uh, texas 's own Craig Baker, seventeen and one, the only loss to Labamba. I remember that fight a PBC fight in Boston, so uh, there you have it, Rafe that is boxing this weekend. Get fired up for maymac it is coming rafe august twenty sixth I will be there. And Rafe, uh are you heading into any fights this fall? You you're gonna leave the greater LA area? I hope so. I mean, well we've got good fights coming up in LA. I mean it's you
1: know, the uh, the superfly fights I'm hoping to check out. Yes, uh yes. And uh I, I may not make it to uh Kodo Kamagay, but um you know, I, I'm hoping to uh, to to, ta- to get to uh Canelo Triple G in September. Um you know, I mean, I, it's, 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 things are heating up. And if anyone wants to fly me down to San Antonio to catch some uh, cruiserweight action, you know, you know, I'm ready. I'm I'm there in a heartbeat.
0: Follow me on Twitter at bcampbellcbs. Follow Rafe at rafebugs00gs. Check out our other In This Corner podcast. That was Moxeo, Rafe. Thanks for joining me. Can you send the people work? We out.